truth is Vladimir Putin wants me dead. And so there is some evidence that Putin is bisexual and in massive denial of his bisexuality. Is Putin a, a macho man? I, I kind of think he's overdoing it because he's a little coward. There were the apartment bombs. He blew up Russia. Hello and welcome to a brand new series delving into the mind of Vladimir Putin. In this series, I'll be speaking with people who know his story, who've lived the consequences of his actions, and who understand how he works. This is Inside Putin's Mind. I'm Bill Browder. Today on Inside Putin's Mind, we'll be asking the question, is Putin a psychopath? I'll be speaking to journalist and author John Sweeney, who spent most of the war in Kiev, as well as psychiatrist Dr. Arthur Cassidy. But first, let me share my own experience of Vladimir Putin, because the truth is Vladimir Putin wants me dead and has wanted me dead for a while. The reason he wants me dead is because I stood up to him after the murder of my lawyer, Sergei Magnitsky. Sergei Magnitsky discovered and exposed a $230 million Russian government corruption scheme. He testified against the officials involved, and he was subsequently arrested by the same officials, put in pretrial detention, tortured for 358 days, and murdered on November 16, 2009. Since his murder, I've made it my life's mission to get justice for him. And that has led to something called the Magnitsky Act. The Magnitsky Act freezes the assets and bans the visas of people involved in Sergei's murder and people who do similar things in Russia and around the world. The Magnitsky Act has put at risk Vladimir Putin's money, and Vladimir Putin values money more than human life. And because of that, he's gone after me in every possible way, with death threats, kidnapping threats, Interpol red notices, extradition requests, lawsuits, fake news. Because of that, I've spent the last 13 years in a man-to-man -man conflict with Vladimir Putin. And so I probably am one of the few people in the West who's really seen how this guy behaves and what he's all about. Before I chat with John Sweeney, let's learn a little bit more about Vladimir Putin. Narcissistic, dishonest, manipulative, unremorseful, and exploitative. All words that have been used to describe Vladimir Putin. They are also widely regarded as five traits displayed by psychopaths. Putin came from a modest upbringing in Leningrad. From a young age, he held an ambition to join the KGB. It was an ambition he achieved, but he had a rather underwhelming career as a foreign intelligence officer. So it was a surprise to many when he worked his way up to the position of prime minister in 1999. Although he was virtually unknown, Putin's public approval rating soared when he launched a well-organized military operation against successionist rebels in Chechnya. Surprisingly, Putin's character actually earned him support from the Russian public. He was far more calm and decisive under pressure than his erratic predecessor, Boris Yeltsin. Putin has a history of getting into armed conflicts with little concern for civilian casualties. He used heavy force to put down the separatist uprisings in Chechnya, leveling the city of Grozny in 2000 and installing a proxy leader. In Syria, he helped President Bashir al-Assad retain power amid a civil uprising that began in 2011 by destroying civilian heavy targets, even using penetration bombs on underground hospitals. And in 2008, Putin invaded his neighbor to the south, Georgia, a country that, like Ukraine, was once part of the Soviet Union. 
Then there's the long list of his critics who've mysteriously been killed, from Alexander Litvinenko to Pavel Antov and many more in between. Perhaps the worst of all his crimes is an alleged involvement in the Russian apartment bombings. A series of explosions hit four apartment blocks, killing more than 300 Russians across four cities. Although Chechen terrorists were convicted, some remain convinced Putin had actually orchestrated the attacks in order to win public support for a full-scale war in Chechnya. Nearly one year on, the human cost of his invasion in Ukraine stands at an estimated 200,000 soldiers and 40,000 civilians. This is Putin's war. I'm now joined by John Sweeney, investigative journalist and author of Killer in the Kremlin. Uh, John, you've come in from uh, Kiev. Uh, when did you get in? Uh, December 20th. Okay, and when are you heading back? Um, I, that's classified. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you, can, you don't want to tell. So, I've been told actually by a former conservative cabinet minister, and he said, never say your precise travel plans. Yeah. Um, so I have to, so uh, later this month. You and I both know um, what it's like to be on Putin's you, bad side. You know much better than I do. Well, you know? you're actually sitting like right on the front line, sit, sitting in, in Kiev most of the time. Um, and so, I mean, in, in a certain way, Putin's been after me for years, but you're literally, you know, one bomb away from, from uh, dying. It's pretty scary. It can be scary, but it's also, it feels right and proper. And there are times when hanging out in Kiev feels like what I read about hanging out in London in 1940. You've been right there, right, right in, the, in the center of the whole thing. So one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on the show today um, is because we're talking about, is Vladimir Putin a psychopath? And so I, I thought we would just go back and kind of think about some of the stuff that we know about Vladimir Putin to try to pick it apart. So this is a guy who um, doesn't show uh, any emotion um, when humans are being killed. And you remember back at the, the whole Kursk story? Yeah, so what happens is he's just got into power. It's, um, I think it's August 2000, and he was elected in March. And then suddenly, this enormous um, Russian nuclear submarine, um, the Kursk, sinks. There's been an explosion, but at least some of the submariners are still alive. There's something like about 100 submariners on the, on the ship. And there are people who can save these submariners. What's happened is there's a big explosion, and the submarine is now sitting on, on the bottom of the Arctic Ocean somewhere. The Royal Navy and the Norwegian Navy have got skilled people, divers and stuff, and the uh, escape systems that they can actually rescue the trapped Soviet or Russian submariners. But of course, that would be an embarrassment and a humiliation if you're an idiot who cares about these things. And what happened was, and rather than an a ferocious race to save these guys' lives, there was nothing. There was no signal. Putin was on holiday um, in, um, in his dasha uh, on the Black Sea, and there was complete silence. And eventually he came back, and he was asked in an interview, a TV interview, well, what about the Kursk? 
And he just looked at the interviewer and said, it sank. So the, what's fascinating about Putin is that he was, he never prospered inside the KGB. He got inside the KGB and he was impeccable working class. He was really poor background, but that suited somebody like him very, very well. And he's smart, good at German, and he should have got a good job inside the KGB, i.e. Uh, Bonn, West Germany, possibly. His, his English isn't bad. I've met him, and his English isn't bad. He could have gone uh, to London, New York, um, Washington. No, he got a, a rubbish posting in Dresden, East Germany, Stasiland. Why? Because a story is told in first person, his, um, um, his ghosted autobiography, that his KGB assessor, when he'd finished KGB training school, told him, or wrote of him on a, in a report, that he had no empathy for other people, mm. and he was made incredibly rash decisions where there was no risk analysis. Mm. And Bill, I'd like to shake the hand of that KGB colonel or general who wrote that report. The problem is, I don't think I can, because I would imagine that Putin, the moment he got power, would have had him killed. He's had a lot of people killed, hasn't he? I mean, yes. I mean, the reason I wrote my book, Killer in the Kremlin, was, was because I was sick, just like you, of the West backing down and running away. And when Putin does a terrible thing, he it, all the West does is we give him the balance of doubt yet and yet again, and he carries on murdering people again and again and again. When, when Putin um, uh, first became prime minister, he was actually the number four choice of Yeltsin. Yeltsin had chosen three other guys who didn't work out to be the potential successor to Yeltsin. And one of the things which, which people don't talk about enough is how Putin came to power, what Putin did. Nobody knew who Putin was. He was a complete unknown. He was like a nobody. Uh, Yeltsin appoints him as prime minister and he needs to become popular enough to become president. And so there were the apartment bombs. He blew up Russia. And, and now, now, the way I say that, by the way, is when I say he blew up Russia, I say in, in complete conviction this is true. And what happened was there was a series of apartment bombs in southern Russia and in Moscow, and the Ch Chechen terrorists, who do exist, they are real, were blamed for this atrocity. And that what Putin did deliberately was get the KGB to murder 300 Russians in their beds so that he could look strong. And that he can blame it on the Chechens. On the Chechens, and, and therefore he had the second Chechen And war. then he could start a war. Yes. And his approval ratings went through the roof. Yes. And he, from the moment he was Mr. Nobody, and then he became Mr. Tough Guy, on the basis of, of the Moscow apartment bombs. His approval ratings go through the roof. This is year 2000 or so. Um, his approval ratings start to decline into 2008. And in 2008, he invades Georgia. His and then they go up again. And, and, and then, then it goes down and again. Then it starts and then declining. in 2014, he invades... Crimea. He, yeah, he takes Crimea. Very little, uh, hardly any uh, blood loss there. But then he um, sends his troops under disguise into uh, the Donbass. And there's a, um, there's a terrible uh, bloody war there. And then 
the Russians make a mistake. They send a Buk missile um, to knock out Ukrainian fighters from the sky. They make a mistake and they knock out MH17. And for BBC Panorama, which I used to work for, I went to um, Donbass and I saw this awful sight. And it's one of the things I still have flashbacks about. There is um, there's headrests and Malaysian air um, logos. There's the nose cone. There's dead bodies. The local pro-Russian um, people are picking up the dead bodies and putting them in a in a lorry. Um, there's luggage. There's kids' toys. And the worst thing for me, and the thing that gives me flashbacks to this day, is that there was these things like trunkies, they're called, with little suitcases that you will a toddler along. And they were, they were there amid the engine oil and the, and the wheels and the great big engines. Now, this was a war crime. 298 people, crew and innocent passengers, most of them holidaymakers, many of them Australian, Dutch, Malaysian, 10 Brits, some Americans were shot out of the sky by the Russians, and the West's response was pitifully inadequate. By the way, what we have running along this as a kind of another beat, if we're looking at a, a piece of really dark music, is the assassinations of anybody who causes them trouble. Yep. And um, I believe that there were three, the first big assassination is of Litvinenko. Why is Putin obsessed with poisoning people? My reasoning is that there's a moment in his ghosted autobiography, First Person, he talks about chasing a rat with a stick and then the rat turns on him and, and forever on, onwards he thinks when you've got a problem with somebody you've got to hit them first. But the other thing is killing rats with sticks is a terribly inefficient way of killing rats. The really good way is to use rat poison. And I think Putin, from a very early age, becomes obsessed with using really fancy poisons. And first of all, you have polonium-210. And then the next poison is even more expensive, more fiendish, more fancy, utterly untraceable, Novichok. And that's what he uses against Skripal, and then when Bellingcat and other great investigators get going, there's multiple more. So Putin, um, you know, he goes on these tr uh, camping trips with horses and shirtless. He makes himself out to be some kind of macho man. D d is, is Putin a, a macho man? I, I kind of think he's overdoing it because he's a little coward, but I I'd love to know your analysis of this whole... Well, so, for example, in the war in Ukraine, Zelensky has been to Bakhmut, which I've, I've been there a few times myself. It's a seriously dangerous place. Zelensky goes often to the front line or very close to the front line, and he's been photographed with the troops. Putin has never done that. Somebody who looks like Putin has been on one end of the Kerch Bridge, which joins Russia with occupied Ukraine, but I think Putin uses doubles. We've, he's never been anywhere near the front line. I think Vladimir Putin is a coward. As to the topless shirt, that struck me. There's a kind of weird and bizarre homoeroticism about that. And um, um, so when I met Putin, what was interesting was there was something weird, Bill, about the way he looked at me in that he was almost respectful of my courage or my balls in um, having a go at him, at challenging him. And he kind of liked it. 
And the, if you look at the video, there's, it almost does a little moo of submission or something like that. It's very strange. Remember, I was talking earlier about the way he could be submissive to these, the first three great alpha males in his life. I didn't know this, but I, I got in touch with a, an American uh, intelligence analyst who told me, his name is Paul Joyle, and he told me he, he met a couple in Russia, and in the early 90s, Putin kind of went after the woman, but in fact, they thought he was going after the man. And so there is some evidence that Putin is bisexual and in massive denial of his bisexuality, which would explain, for example, why um, promoting homosexuality has, be has become illegal on his watch. So you have a friend named Simon Glusman, um, who's quoted as saying, Putin is not mad in the clinical psychiatric sense. He was the first Soviet psychiatrist to condemn the Soviet abuse of psychiatry, and he spent 10 years in the gulag because of this. And therefore, he's an expert on the KGB mindset. He understands the KGB mentality better than ever anyone else. Since uh, he, they freed him from the gulag, um, he's now in Kyiv, and he's got to know lots of uh, ex-KGB people who are Ukrainian. And they all say, you know, being in the KGB is kind of weird and dark and dangerous, but Putin was bad even for us. Yes. Semyon is absolutely clear, as a psychiatrist, Putin is not mad in that he doesn't have hallucinations, he doesn't hear things that people can't hear. He is sane, he is not mad, but he's bad, like Hitler or Stalin or Mao. But a psychopath doesn't have to have uh, a hallucination. The psychopath can just be a person who has no conscience, no empathy, who kills people, etc. Yes. And that, that it looks like, um, no, from, the, from the outside, the, 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 guy, the guy is evil. Um, Phil, if it, if it goes quack, it's a duck. Vladimir Putin is a psychopath. I have no doubt about it whatsoever. He is pitiless. He shows no remorse. He lies so smoothly. He lies because there is no sense of morality in this man. And there's a friend of another psychiatrist, friend of mine, a guy called Jim Fallon, who's a professor of um, psychiatry at the University of California. And he says it's very, very common for people, and he says people like Hitler, Stalin, Mao, and Putin, all of them, he believes, they lost their natural mother very, very early on, and or they were sexually abused or violated or abused very, very early on, like when they were a toddler, two, three years old. And so what you've got is somebody who is a kind of pitiless en enemy of humanity, who is monstrously capable of manipulating other people around him, and yet he's completely unbothered by the suffering of others. And this guy is in charge of all of these nuclear weapons and the Russian state. So I thought when you came in here that you'd be wearing your um, uh, trademark <laughs> orange cap. So this is, this is the Sweeney Beanie. Um, so I, it's just, it was cold while I was in Kiev at the start of the war. And, um, and I'm reaching my duffel coat and there's my hat. I got it in a ski shop. 
And I said, that's a terrible colour. Have you got anything else? And he said, no, OK. Um, well, this, this is how everybody knows you now, is with your orange cap. This means to a Ukrainian cop with a gum, this isn't a threat. <laughs> uh, my ex was still powerless. She said, get that bloody hat off, because the Russians are going uh, to shoot you. And I said, well, they're not here yet. It's OK. But I, I owe my... Um, I owe at least some of my sanity to this. So. Well, <laughs> stay safe. Thank you, and God bless. Those were the thoughts of journalist John Sweeney, and we heard what his friend Semyon Guzman had to say, but perhaps we ought to get a second opinion. We're now going to hear from Dr. Arthur Cassidy, a chartered psychologist and associate fellow of the British Psychological Society. The, the, the issue here is that um, this uniqueness that he does have, it combines the authoritarian personality type, it combines the lack of emotional empathy, manipulation, control. He is a guy who actually will know the mind of Zelensky. He will read Zelensky's mind. And part of this psychopathy, as we call it, or the dark triad, is a combination of traits associated with malignant narcissism and sadism. And so this is nothing to do with sexual sadism, this is political sadism. And this is where people, leaders like President Putin, um, they, they, they don't care who they kill. They don't care how many hundred or thousand they kill. That is irrelevant. What they want, they will get. So, I mean, they will stop at absolutely nothing to fulfill their political, ideological aims, objectives. The type of personality structure that he does manifest would be seen to suggest that he is the most powerful individual in the entire world. There is a grandiosity associated with this. And this is a, a grandiosity, an excessive sense of his own self-worth. And it would put him on a paramount or way above any world leader. There is this uh, social comparison. He has, I'm sure he would have compared himself ideologically and politically uh, in terms of, of his war efforts, of his, of his power drives. And he would have done this in a way that to make him stand out from the crowd. And so this is a form of dark narcissism. This is where you really zoom in towards you who you are in this very introspective way and you're saying I will get what I want in any part of the world I will take control and it is a very highly form of emotional manipulation and political trickery he's a predator uh, we know this has been cited in the literature he's a political predator he will go where no one else will, will go and this demonstrates what we call fearless dominance so there's a strong form of fearless dominance in his entire personality and he acts this out by taking control, no cost, he will win the war. That's how he thinks. And he will not stop at what he wants to achieve his objectives politically and also through the war effort. We've now heard from, from Dr. Cassidy and from John Sweeney. In my opinion, it's black and white. Putin is a psychopath. That doesn't mean that Putin is, has hallucinations. It doesn't mean that Putin is uh, not in touch with reality. Um, what it means is that here you have a guy whose heart doesn't start beating faster if a child is being killed in front of him. Here you have a guy who has no compunction about sending 100,000, 500,000, a million of his own countrymen to death. Here is a man who can destroy an entire uh, city with carpet bombs and, and uh, uh, illegal munitions. This is a man who just doesn't care about human life. And uh, that is the, the person we're dealing with. And it has some implications because if you have a person who doesn't care, what could it end up leading to?
And it could end up leading to him using a nuclear weapon in Ukraine. And that's why this is such an important question to answer. Thanks for joining me on Inside Putin's Mind. And thanks to my guests, John Sweeney and Dr. Arthur Cassidy. Join me, Bill Browder, on the next episode as we answer the question, is Putin dying? See you then. Thank you.